Thank you for downloading the Two Cities Church podcast where we are pushing back darkness by spreading the good news of King Jesus. And now, here is this week's message from Pastor Jeff Struker. You may not know this, but Shaquille O'Neal, the famous basketball player, was offered a movie role. And the movie role basically invited him to take part in the movie, The Green Mile. Now, The Green Mile um, was portrayed, the actor who played in The Green Mile was just this ginormous human being. And the reason why Shaq was invited is because Shaq is just freakishly large. I've seen his tennis shoe. It's like this big right here. Well, Shaq was invited to play in the movie Green Mile. He was given an $18 million movie offer. And Shaq turned that offer down instead of playing John Coffey in the famous movie, The Green Mile. When he was asked about, why would you turn this down? This is a no-brainer. It seems insane. You would work for a few months. You would do a few minutes in the movie, and you'd come away $18 million richer. Shaq stood on his convictions, and he said, I strongly considered it, but I couldn't bring myself to play a black man in the deep south post-slavery, but the guy who played in that movie, you can see him here on the screens, Michael Clark Duncan, Shaq said, absolutely nailed it, and it's a good thing I turned it down because there's no way I could do what that guy just did. What we're going to hear from the Bible today is this amazing, unprecedented offer that God makes to people all through the ages, and it's mind-blowing to consider how many people hear about this offer, but they turn it down. I'm going to do something a little bit different in this sermon today. Normally, I try to find what the Bible says directly to you. I want you to apply it directly to your life. I want your life to look a little bit different at the end of the sermon Instead of talking to you today, I want to talk about your neighbor. I want to talk about that classmate that you go to school with. I want to talk about that guy or that gal that's at the gym with you. And what I want you to hear from the Bible today, this is just going to come very naturally from the Bible in the book of John, is we're going to look at why people would reject the greatest offer in human history. We're going to look at why people would reject Jesus. And in order to do that, we're going to turn to John chapter 7. Now, if you're relatively new to our church, maybe you weren't with us this spring. Early this spring, we set out a goal as a church that every single one of us in the year 2021 would reach one person with the gospel. We would talk to one friend, one neighbor. We would introduce somebody who's far from Jesus to Jesus and explain to them why Jesus can change their life. And what you're going to hear very naturally from the Bible today is what they're going, what's going through their minds when somebody hears what you have to say, but they just frankly are not interested. And they turn around and they reject Jesus. And what I want you to do really is I want this sermon to sit heavy on your heart. Because I really hope that if you haven't had the chance yet in 2021 to talk to just one person, if you haven't yet explained to one person how they can become a Christian, this sermon, the Holy Spirit will put one face, one name in your mind, and you will decide this month, I'm going to go talk to them. What happens next is up to Jesus. 
but I'm going to go talk to them and explain to them the greatest offer that's ever been given. There's basically two reasons why people reject Jesus. I'm going to show you this coin because these reasons are essentially the same coin, just different sides of the coin. And the first reason why people reject Jesus is because they get just too close to him. They get close enough to Jesus that they get a little Jesus vaccine which protects them from really getting the whole Jesus. I know enough about the Bible. I've gone to church enough that I know a few Christian answers, but in my life, nothing looks different. That's the people that are too close to Jesus. They've seen a little bit about who Jesus is, just enough to barely taste it, and then they got enough, and they start to turn around, and they start to turn away. There's a group of people in John chapter 7 exactly like this. In fact, they've seen more about Jesus at this point in the Bible than perhaps anybody on the planet. And the Bible tells us today they don't really believe in him. So I want us to pick up where we left off. We ended John chapter 6 last week, and today we roll right into chapter 7. We're just moving systematically through the book of John in the Bible, and we're going to be at John chapter 7, verse 5. The sermon and all of the scriptures right there for you in that mobile app Or I'll put it up here on the screens for you. Here's what the Bible says is going on in John chapter 7. After this, after Jesus spoke to these huge crowds, after he provided lots of food, after they went chasing after him, and Jesus thinned the crowds by telling them, I'm not going to be your baker. I will be your savior, but I won't just do a magic trick for you. And almost every one of them left him. After this, Jesus traveled in Galilee. Since he did not want to travel in Judea because the Jews were trying to kill him. Hold on just a second. At this point in the Bible, Jesus has made a few people upset. He's ruffled a few feathers. And we've already heard that some people are not happy with him. But John just took this thing to a whole new level. Because John is now telling us, not only are they not happy with him, that if he shows his face in the capital city, they will capture him and they will kill him. And if you're reading the Bible for the first time, you've got to take a step back and say, what did Jesus do that's so wrong that people want him dead for it? We're going to answer that question. In just a second, hold on to it, tuck it in your back pocket, because we're going to go back to that question in just a second. All I want you to know is people are so angry that they literally want to kill him for what's going on up to this point in the Bible. The Jewish festival of shelters was near. So his brothers said to him, leave Galilee and go to Judea so that your disciples can see your works that you were doing. For no one does anything in secret while he's trying to be a big deal. No one does anything in secret while he's seeking public recognition. For, you, for if, or if you do these things, show yourself to the world. Please pay close attention to what the Bible does next. The Bible puts in parentheses something that's very, very important. And it's essential to the rest of this passage. For not even his brothers believed in him. 
If you were to go back and read the book of Mark, you will learn that after Mary and Joseph, Jesus' parents, well, Jesus, his mother and his half-father, stepfather, um, after Jesus is born, Mary and Joseph have more children. Mark lists a couple of brothers by name and at least a sister, maybe two. So now Jesus' literal brothers show up. And they've started to hear the message, and Jesus has started to draw a crowd, and they decide they're going to help him out a little bit. So they say, hey, Jesus, you're a big fish in a small pond. If you really want to go make an impact, you got to leave Galilee. you got to go to Judea. you got to go to Jerusalem, because if you really want to draw a big crowd, you got to go to the big city, because big cities draw big crowds. And if you want to be a big shot, Jesus... It's only going to happen in Jerusalem. Jesus is listening to his brothers. And by the way, they're telling him, hey, the perfect time is coming up, Jesus. We're about to celebrate the festival of shelters. Now, if you have a different translation of the Bible, it may call it the Feast of Booths, B-O-O-T-H. This is one of the most important religious holidays in ancient Israel. Still very important holiday. It's a day where Israel went and remembered the way that their ancestors lived when God brought them through the desert, when he rescued them from slavery in Egypt, and he brought them into the promised land. But for 40 years, they had to live in temporary shelters in tents. So Once a year, usually happened around late September, early October, the Israelites, check this out, would move out of their house and would move into a tent. Usually lasted for about two weeks, and it was a two-week-long party. I want you to think about it in the United States like Easter or Thanksgiving. It's not the number one holiday of the year, but it's not far away from number two. This one is a really big deal. People would sing, they would dance, they would pray for God to bless the harvest because this is the time of the year that you would bring in the grapes. This is the time of the year that you would bring in olives. This was a huge moment in an agricultural community. And it was also the time that they would live literally in a tent or in shelters made out of twigs. And they would remind themselves that God was good to our ancestors and that same God will take care of us today. Well, Jesus' brothers are saying, Jesus, stop what you're doing. Go to Jerusalem. The biggest, one of the biggest crowds of the year is going to be in Jerusalem. And if you show up with the big crowd, you can become a big shot. But the Bible tells us something in parentheses that's fascinating. His own brothers, check this out, y'all, who grew up in the same house with him, didn't really believe that he was the son of God. They believed that he was the son of Mary, but not the son of God. And I want to ask, like, how could these guys who have heard him and seen him not believe who he really is? Oh, by the way, the Bible tells us that his brothers will start to believe, but it will take his death and resurrection before they actually come to realize he wasn't just flesh and blood. He was actually the son of God. Why would they not see What's standing right in front of him is the God of the universe. And the answer is because like many people who get up and go to church, they're way too close to him. They're so close that they really can't see 
what's standing in front of their face. You guys, I was doing a little bit of research to try to figure this one out. Joseph, if you can skip forward to those um, pictures, I wanted to show you a couple of pictures. I'm going to put a picture on the screen, a super close-up magnified, and I want you to just say it out loud, real bold, what you think you're looking at when you see this picture on the screens. So the first picture on the screen, can you throw that up there for me, Joseph? Is not up there. Okay, but it was so awesome, you guys. All right. Uh, hey, here's what I was going to do. I was going to show you this. There it is right there. Um, check this picture out right here. Wait. This guy right here. I just, I, I, I fast forwarded it to you. Do you know what you're looking at right here? Say out loud what you think you're looking at. Say it out loud loud enough so that everybody can hear you. It's a mosquito. You're looking at the eyeballs of a mosquito when you see this picture, but those eyeballs don't look anything like a mosquito. How about this right here? Anybody want to take a guess at what you're seeing on the screen right here? Say it out loud. It is the wings of a butterfly. I love this one right here. What do you think you're looking at right here in this giant cavern? You said a crack. Uh, it looks like that, but it's actually, if you were to zoom way out, it's actually the grooves of a record. Check this one out. This one is fun, right? Look, it's happy faces, and they're all smiling to see you. Do you know what you're looking at right there? You're actually looking at the cellular level of a blade of grass. Now, this one will freak you out. How about this guy right here on the screens? Do you know what this is? Stick out your tongue because that's what you're seeing on the screen right there. That's what your tongue looks, out, looks like when you super magnify it. There's a couple of others that I just want to keep doing because I think I could do this all day long. I think it's pretty cool. You want to take a guess what this is right here? Anybody want to say it out loud? It is, no, nobody's even going to give it a shot. It is the skin of a shark. That's why they can zip through the water so fast. And the last, and maybe my favorite, is this right here. What do you think this is that you're looking at right here? Surely somebody in the room should be able to figure it out. What is it? It's what? It is eyelashes. That's what your eyelashes look like when you... Look at this. This is what your eyelashes look like when you're super close. And for some of you ladies, it looks much, much uh, bigger than that. Listen, what the Bible is describing for us is Jesus' followers, they get really uh, too close to him. And even his own brothers, when they see Jesus, all they can see is somebody that they grew up with. And they totally miss who's really standing in front of them. And I'm convinced that people do this, millions of them. I'm just going to say it. Billions of people around the world get just enough Jesus that they're inoculated from real life-changing faith. Because what they do is they pray and they ask Jesus to do a favor for them. And to them, Jesus is really not much more than just a buddy. But he doesn't really make any impact in the way that they live their life. For Jesus' brothers, 
They say, hey, Jesus, we want you to stop what you're doing, and we want you to go to Jerusalem. The big festival's coming up, and you'll be a big shot if you go to Jerusalem right now. What they didn't know is he's really the God of the universe who grew up in their house with them and who's not going to follow their requests. He's only listening to his Father in heaven. And I need you to know that that guy that God is putting on your heart right now, that gal that you desperately want to see them become a Christian, maybe what they've heard is just enough Jesus to cause them to think, hey, I, air quotes, believed in that thing, so I'm not going to hell, but I can live any way that I want. And if that's the kind of faith that they're describing, I don't know what you call that, but you don't call that the gospel. You don't call that saving faith. The kind of faith that the Bible describes, it changes your life, literally changes your life right here on planet Earth. John will talk about this in chapter 10 when he describes the abundant life. And that life never ends. It goes on forever. But the little bit of Jesus that just gets you out of hell, but I can go back to living any way that I want after I prayed a few words, that's just enough Jesus to vaccinate you from the real thing. That's one side of the coin. But the truth is, that sin of unbelief, getting too close to Jesus and becoming vaccinated from the real deal, the other side of the coin is basically the same thing, just from a different angle. It's people that get too far away from Jesus. By this point, the crowds have tried to push him to become their king. His brothers are trying to push him to become a big shot, and Jesus won't have it. In fact, what we read next is Jesus refuses to listen to men and women because he's so focused on following the will of his Father. Let's pick up where we left off in verse 6. Jesus told his brothers, My time has not yet arrived, but your time is always at hand. The world cannot hate you, but it does hate me because I testify about it, that its works are evil. Get up and go to the festival yourselves. I'm not going to the festival. And here's why. Because my time has not yet fully come. And after Jesus said these things, he stayed in Galilee where he was doing his ministry. The brothers were trying to push Jesus and give him a little shove, and Jesus said, I won't have it. And what you're seeing from the Bible here is that Jesus is faithfully following God. Now listen to me, Christian. Because we call ourselves Christian, which means like Christ or little Christs, we are supposed to follow in his footsteps. And what Jesus is saying to his brothers today is, listen, I love you guys. We grew up in the same house together. We have the same mother, but I will not listen to you. I'm listening to my father. And I just want to say, it takes a lot of courage to stand up and to say no when the crowd is pushing you in one direction. It takes even more courage when the people that you love are pushing you. But Jesus says, I refuse to get ahead of God. I will not force God's hand and move to Jerusalem until he's ready for me to go to Jerusalem. And I refuse to get behind him. And I don't know about you, but I feel this pressure every day. God, please don't let me make the mistake of running ahead of you and getting ahead of your will. 
But God, I also don't want to make the same make, mistake of running behind you, being obstinate and not following your will. God, what I want to do today is just be step in step with you. I want to listen to your Holy Spirit, do what your Holy Spirit tells me to do, not get ahead of him, and certainly not get behind him. And if you feel that challenge like I do every day, in fact, for me, it feels like every moment of every day is a challenge to catch up with where the Holy Spirit wants me to go or to hold back. Jesus isn't being rebellious. He's not being a jerk. He's just simply saying, I don't listen to you. I listen to my Father. And it's not time for me to go to Jerusalem yet because my Father hasn't sent me to Jerusalem yet. And so I'm going to stay right here. And I'm going to keep doing what I'm doing. And I'm thinking about a conversation that I had this week with a great Christian man who's struggling right now because he feels like the Holy Spirit is being slow to show him what's next. And he's really wrestling with it. And as I'm talking to him on the phone, he is hurting and I'm hurting for him. Or some of you who have the tendency to run way ahead of the Holy Spirit and say, hey, I'm way up here. It's time for you to catch up. It's time for you to bless what I'm doing next, God. And Jesus is saying, I I'm not going to be that guy. I'm not going to be that gal. I will faithfully follow the Holy Spirit step by step, every moment of every day. He actually sounds a little bit rude in this passage because he's saying, the reason why people want to kill me it's because they hate me. And I told you at the beginning that I would come back to this. If you tuck it in your back pocket, the reason they hate him is because at this point, Jesus has made it very clear. You can't follow me and keep living the way that you want to live. If I am God in your life, then I call the shots. If you're calling the shots in your life, then don't you dare call me God. If I'm going to be God, I'm in charge and I make the decisions for you. If you're in charge of your life, if you're making the decisions, then don't call me God. And people started to get upset. In fact, the crowds went away disappointed, perhaps even disgusted. Go back and listen to the last couple of sermons out of chapter 6. You'll hear that Jesus just refuses to be what they want him to be. He will only be the savior of the world, but you come to Jesus on your own terms, or on his terms, not on your terms. I was sharing the gospel with a soldier when I was still in the army, and I was explaining to him who Jesus is and what Jesus did for him. I was, I was explaining why he should surrender his soul and turn over control of his life to Jesus. And this guy got it. And I mean, he totally understood every word that I was saying. He isn't the first guy to say this to me. He's not the only guy to say this to me, but I have never heard this so clear in my life. He looked at me in the eyes and he said, Jeff, I heard exactly what you say. It makes total sense. I completely understand what you're saying, but no, I don't want Jesus. And it shocked me. And I was like, what do you mean you understand, but you're saying no? He's like, well, here's the truth. And I'm just not going to lie to you or play games. I like sin. The sin that I'm doing right now, I plan to keep doing. And what you've told me is if I'm turning my life over to Jesus, I can't keep doing the sin that I know I'm doing. And I'm just telling you right now, I like it. I want to keep doing it. And so I'm just not going to play games with you. I'm not going to play games with Jesus. I'm just going to keep on living my life the way that I've been living my life. And I 
thought to myself, well, thank God somebody's finally being honest with themselves about this thing right now because at least he's saying, I know exactly what you're saying. I understand the implications and I don't care. I'm just going to keep doing what I'm doing. And at that moment, my heart went out for this brother because at that moment, he realized I would rather live the way that I want right now and spend an eternity in hell than live the way that God wants and go spend an eternity with him in heaven. I've been thinking about him all week long because he's one of those guys that's so far away from Jesus. It's the same sin of unbelief, not believing that this God really does love you. He is a good God and can radically change your life. And you won't want that sin anymore after you come to him and come all the way to him. It's just the other side of the exact same coin. Now, in order to wrap things up, instead of doing some next steps, I told you normally I I like to talk to you about you at this point in the sermon. But instead of doing that, what I want to do is talk to you about that neighbor, that friend of yours. You know the person that the Holy Spirit's placing on your mind right now that you need to go talk to them about Jesus? And I want to tell you, there's basically five obstacles that will cause somebody who, when they understand it, they decide, you know what, I'm good, don't want it. These are what I consider five of the big reasons. They're not the only reasons, but they're probably the top five reasons why somebody would uh, object to Jesus, would reject Jesus. And the number one reason is because you are going to have to live different than your friends. You're going to have to start acting different, talking different. Your affections will become different. And people, when they grasp what's really going on here, realize, uh, if I were to do that, my friends are not going to want to hang out at me, hang out with me anymore. We're not going to go to the bar on a Friday night and try to pick up chicks anymore if I were to go all the way in with Jesus. And it's going to make me wildly unpopular with my friends. I just want to answer that person. Yes, it very well may. And I don't want to be ugly with what I say next. I also don't want to put some gross oversimplifications. Yeah, following Jesus may cost you your family. It may cost you some friends. But in the process, you gain a whole nother family. A family that is deeper and richer than the ones that were hanging out with you at the bar trying to pick up women. And some people realize, if I were to do this, Jeff, I know what it's going to cost me. And it's going to cost me some friendships. And I'm not going to be the life of the party anymore. Here's the truth. I have met many people who grew up in church, know a little bit about Jesus. And now they have turned around and they've walked away completely from the Christian faith. And it boils down to this. God I asked you to heal my grandmother from cancer. And you didn't do what I asked you to do when I asked you to do it. And she died from cancer. And as a result of this, and again, I'm not trying to be ugly. My heart hurts for people like this. I hope yours does as well. But what they've simply said is, God, I don't really believe that you're all powerful and you can heal cancer or you would have. Wait, if you are all-powerful, God, and you could cure cancer, and you didn't cure cancer, then I don't believe you're a good God. And the thing that's really holding them back, and I'm certain you know somebody like this, is they didn't get what they were asking for from God. 
And because they didn't get what they were asking for, they decided he doesn't really care, he's not really good, or he doesn't really have the power to make a difference in my life. Because in their mind, following Jesus means I get what I want when I pray from him. And those of us who have been changed, radically changed by the lordship of Jesus Christ, we know, hey, I pray, I pour my heart out to him, but I don't always get. In fact, I don't often get what I want from him. But what he gives me is always better than what I'm asking for. I think a few people will get to the point where you start to explain at the moment that you surrender your life to Jesus Christ, he's in charge. And now from this point forward, you don't live for yourself anymore. You start to live for God. You start to be on mission with God, living for his plans and his purposes, which means you don't get the glory anymore. You don't get the credit for the good stuff that happens. Your life isn't for your glory. Your life exists here on this planet to glorify Jesus, your king, and he gets all of the attention. And some people, they just don't like that trait. Others, and I have specifically shared Jesus with a Jewish woman or a Muslim man, and they have said, if I do this, it will cost me my family. All of my friends will turn their back on me. In fact, one of them has said, this will cost me my life if I surrender to Jesus. And he's absolutely true. And they're starting to realize, like, I don't know if I'm willing to make that kind of sacrifice because it might be very, very painful if I follow Jesus. For those of us who live in the comfort of, and complacency of this so-called Christian society, most of us don't understand what people in persecuted parts of the world understand when they're being offered an opportunity to surrender their life to Jesus and he becomes the center of the world because they know this will cost me, it will cost me my family, and it might cost me my life. And for many of them, praise God, they're willing to follow him anyway and lay their life down and say whatever happens next happens. By the way, Jesus says to us, hey, anybody who's not willing to, listen, he doesn't say you must, but anybody who's not willing to leave family and brother and sister and mother and wife or husband is not worthy of me. And some of our brothers and sisters around the world who are coming to faith in Jesus tonight know this might cost me my life, but it will cost me my family and my friends. And the last reason, and I think this hits home with a few people, is that they want the good stuff now. They want toys, and they want paychecks, and they want power, and they want all of the credit and all of the pat on the back. And what the Bible is offering, what Jesus even said today is, that stuff doesn't come here on earth. It's waiting for you. It's waiting for you in ways that your mind can't even comprehend but you only get that when you get to heaven. You might not get any of those rewards here on earth. It may just be painful and challenging. But if you will be faithful, listen to me, church. If you will honor Jesus with every aspect of your life and follow him without holding back, you will one day stand in his presence. You will see him face to face and listen to this. And you will hear from his mouth. Well done, good and faithful servant. Now, come and get the reward. 
that I have been preparing for you since I left earth a long time ago. That's what's waiting for God's children. But we often, we almost always don't get those rewards here. Those rewards are waiting for us in heaven. Somebody that needs to know Jesus, a name or a face that's on your mind right now, the thing that may be holding them back is one of these five things that are on the screen. And I just want you to be aware of it so that when you talk to them this week or this month and you start to hear one of these things, you can't change their heart for them, but at least you can speak honestly to them about where they are. So what I'm going to do now is a bit of a transition. I'm going to pray for us. I'm going to pray for me. I want to pray for you. But I'm going to pray for the one that God placed on your heart in 2021. Whoever that woman, whoever that man is, whatever that person's name, I'm going to pray that the Holy Spirit will start to speak to you, prepare you, and make it possible for you to speak to them. And maybe when you have a conversation with them by phone or in person, maybe you start to realize, you know what? They're too close to Jesus. They've got just a little bit of Jesus, and it's like a vaccine to prevent them from getting the real Jesus. Or they're so far away that they think, ah, I don't think that he's really good. I don't think that he really can change my life. And so I, I'm not interested. And maybe what you heard today from John chapter 7 will be the words that God will use to change their heart. Maybe it's one of these things. And God will use you to change a life for eternity. Let's pray for that person that the Lord has placed on your heart. Father, I want to pray right now for my father here on earth who is far from you. And as I tried to share my faith with him, he has just got to the point where he says, enough, I don't want to hear anymore. Stop talking to me about it. And not just him. But my guess is everybody listening to this broadcast right now, everyone in this room has someone that's on their mind that they are not sure are on their way to heaven. Maybe somebody in their life that is really far from you. And God, it's no coincidence that that fit face is in their mind right now, that that name is on their heart. And God, I believe that you placed that name on their heart, that face in their mind right now, because you want them to find the time to have a conversation and to start to talk to them. What happens in the conversation next is completely and totally up to your Holy Spirit. We would never try to twist somebody's arm, try to manipulate them into heaven. But we do want to sincerely plead with a friend or a family member, a coworker, somebody that we go to school with, to consider what Jesus can do in their life. And so God, maybe today you have helped somebody in this room or somebody who's tuned into our church to say, that's it, I'm going to have that conversation. I've said way back in the spring of this year that I was going to talk to this one person in 2021. Well, this is the one, and it's November, and I still haven't had the conversation. So this month, I'm going to have that conversation. And God, I need you to prepare the way for me. Father, I pray that as people have those conversations, you would speak through your servants in great power and that people's lives would be changed, radically turned upside down. This church wouldn't get the glory. The people that are sharing our faith wouldn't get the glory. Your son, Jesus, would receive all of the glory in this. I pray that as we talk to people that are too far away, 
we would tell them that there's no sin that Jesus can't change, to include those that are struggling with the sins of their past and saying, could God really love somebody like me? And maybe we would have the privilege of saying, Jesus left heaven and came to earth just because he loves you. What held him on that cross was not nails. It wasn't a Roman guard. He hung on that cross for you and for your sins because he would rather die for you than to spend eternity without you. And maybe somebody would hear that for the first time. The light would go on in their head and they would decide, that's it. I'm turning from all of my sins. I'm turning from all of my mistakes. I'm turning from my past. And I am turning to Jesus because I believe that he loves me. I believe that he can change me. And although I'm freaking out a little bit on the inside about what this is going to do in my life, I'm going to follow him. With all that I have and all that I own, I'm going to hold nothing back. And I'm going to follow him and live for his glory. God, would you do what only you can do right now? Would you change somebody? And would you change them from the inside out who may be listening to this broadcast for the first time? And if somebody is genuinely coming to faith in you, God, would you give them the courage to reach out to us and let us know about that so that we can follow up with them? But I'm also praying that my brothers and sisters, those that claim your name, would get serious about sharing their faith with that one person this year. I pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this message. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast and to stay in touch by joining our email list through the link in the show notes. Have a great week.